The Seven City Podcast is dedicated to interviewing artists in the Chicagoland area, their supporters and developers. Join us on our journey as we look at all aspects of the seven arts. Hey, Em, how are you? I am fantastic today. It is beautiful. It is December. The holiday season is on us. I'm feeling festive. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I usually don't feel festive (laughs) ever. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I got to spend a week in New York uh, recently and everything's decked out and Christmas stuff and there were um, lights everywhere and Christmas songs playing everywhere. I guess holiday songs, not just Christmas specific, but um, it did kind of make me feel a little bit magical. So I guess my spirit is showing. It's hard to be a Grinch when you know Fifth Avenue is all lit up. It's beautiful. It's so gorgeous. Well, I spent most of my time in Soho and and Chinatown is always gorgeous. I love Chinatown. Um, but walking from the the lanterns and lights of Chinatown into Little Italy with all of its Christmas decorations, it was like <sighs> freaking magical. Like just so pretty. It was such a wonderful time. I really love New York. I miss uh, spending time there. So, and I got to see Jue again in person. Some of our listeners may remember Jue from an interview we did with him a few months ago. Um, Yeah, it was, it was wonderful as always, highly spiritual and, um, and a lot of fun. So (laughs) I love that. He's such an unusual being. I call it like, what is it? He calls himself an alien. Yeah. An alien he, on Earth. He's definitely from another world, for sure. Almost oh, definitely. Almost definitely. He's like a fae in my life. He just comes and dips in and out, you know? <laughs> well, this time he called me, um, what did he call me? Like a an Earth goddess or something. And I, I was just like, wow, you know, if I could just be that cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's our new, that's our new like, motto. Be the person that Jue thinks you are right yeah that's uh that's my new like what would jesus do (laughs) (laughs) who does you think you are okay become that own that energy that is yes yes i am an earth goddess it's true (laughs) i'm glad you're back i'm glad you had a wonderful trip but it was i mean that was like the first time we had all year for you to really be out of town too it's been a busy year yeah, we did a lot this season. And it was so still far. I mean, yeah, our season isn't over yet. And <laughs> well, anyway, Em and I were busy taking stock of our season so far this year, and we've done quite a bit. Um, starting back <laughs> in October, we had our beer in Brahms. Yeah. And we do did. you want to talk a little bit about what we had to do to put that together? Oh my Your God. connections with um, the... So we started with, we thought about it and we went, okay, so what is it that we really want to accomplish with the Brahms? And Joanna had this beautiful idea of this community healing event, um, really kind of bonding and bringing everyone together after COVID-19 and sort of having a chance to not only breathe and grieve, but just gather physically Um, So that was sort of the spirit that we put towards the entirety of everything we did for the Brahms, including the beer and Brahms. So we thought to ourselves, and by we, I was using the royal we. um, You had the brilliant idea. I I started with, where do people go 
to gather as a community. Um, and I was like, you know, they gather in, in pubs, number one. And in Germany, especially your local pub, your local beer house is incredibly vital to the community. It's not only like, you know, the communal, it, it acts as a, like a pub in London. It's the community gathering point. It's where everybody gets together to do like, you know, um, talent shows and, and they have, you know, announcements there and they'll have open mic nights and stuff. So we went looking for that feeling and we immediately thought of the Donk House, um, which is yeah. the German cultural center and language. German school. American Cultural German Center. American Cultural Center <laughs> and language school here in Chicago. They have the most beautiful event space at the top of um, their building. And I've been there before for um, like fundraisers and I had a couple friends who I knew I'd used it for like a wedding event space. But I hadn't really been in there with a concert sort of mind. So when we arrived the day of the actual event and walked in, the whole place looks like a Bavarian concert hall out of Leipzig or out of, um, you know, old, old Bavaria. It's all these yeah. beautiful chandeliers. The beer hall had a bar built right into the side. So everybody could <laughs> literally watch the uh, performers and then partake and they wouldn't even have to leave the same room. So we really sort of went forward with that that spirit and that attitude. And the Donk House was wonderful to work with. They we sure had a were. lot of donations from um, Revolution Brewery, who has always supported us and they're wonderful in their support for us. We also had some beer donations from our fabulous board members and some wine donations. But really, it was a way for us to meet the people at the Donk House, have sort of an open house and talk to them about what it is we were doing. So rather than set it up like a, a formal concert event, we set it up almost like a Q&A and a meet and greet. Christopher yeah. Owens, who was our phenomenal choral conductor. Christopher uh, Owen. Owen was no our S. phenomenal. <laughs> sorry. In my mind, there's always an S because he's so big. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, like Cher. It's Christopher Owens. Uh, Christopher <laughs> acted as our conductor that evening. And he also is a brilliant scholar, a musical scholar on Brahms. So he spoke to the audience about some of the motifs they were going to hear musically. He also spoke mm -hmm. to them about just in Brahms's life, what had happened and why he wrote the Requiem when he wrote it and the way he wrote it. So seeing that exchange of that energy and that information and watching our audience really light up, not only listening to Christopher, but then hearing our beautiful soloists, both Joanna sang gorgeous, gorgeous Brahms art songs and then excerpts from the Requiem itself. And then we had Dave Govertson, our soloist, step up and we did an open rehearsal for his solos for the Brahms Requiem. And that's what we got the most feedback on. People were fascinated yeah. to watch a live coaching they had never experienced classical music in sort of a scholarly setting or like a music lesson setting before. So it was really interesting afterwards to hear all the questions that they had in terms of not only the musicality of the piece and the intent of the piece, but how do you prepare for something like this? And as an artist, when you have this emotional music that's affecting you, how do you continue to sing through that and, and share your gift when you're beclemped, you know, being affected? Yeah. 
It was a really magical night. We actually, I think everybody stayed. We almost got kicked out because everybody stayed so long afterwards. We were having (laughs) such a good time talking. We had about 50, 70 people show up. It was a really big crowd. Yeah. If the room wasn't super large, so... We were kind of glad that it wasn't more than that because I felt like we would have been going against COVID protocol at that yeah, point. That was the other thing. So, it was really yeah. comfortable because everybody was able to socially distance. Everybody was able to just enjoy the evening without that fear hanging over their head, which I feel yeah. like is our goal going forward from here on out making theater, you know? Right, right. Exactly. Um. One of the audience members came up to me afterwards and was like, I could have listened to Christopher talk for hours about Brahms. I I don't know the last time I went to a lecture where I felt so invigorated. Um, Christopher is just one of those brilliant minds. I, I find myself reflecting on the entire experience and just feeling like, We've really lucked out as a production team to work with an artist who's so caring and so wants to create that sense of community that we look for in our uh, projects. Like He really, really brought that to the forefront and made it such an easy and uh, fulfilling experience well, for all were, of us. You were very intentional with your selection of your not only your co-producers, but you were very intentional with your selection of your creative partners. And yeah, you know, part of the reason why Christopher was so perfect is because he's an educator. He's passionate, but he also understands how to translate that passion. And that was, that was absolutely not only present in that beer and Brahms event, but that was present at the Requiem itself. That oh, was the absolutely. most amazing. Joanna, you should talk about that because that was, oh my God, that was your <laughs> night. That was such a phenomenal evening. Well, I do want to say one more thing about the Baron Brahms before we move on. Oh, of course. Sure. Um, the thing that was so exciting to me was that the connection with the Donk House gave us access to a new audience. Yeah. And those audience members carried over from the Baron Brahms event into the Brahms Requiem. Um, which was honestly, you know, quite a f- like six weeks later than yeah. than the beer and Brahms, and so to have people be excited after an event just made me made me know that we did the right thing, you know, that we yeah. coming into good. coming into an event where we wanted to create a sense of of a, a safe place to to grieve after. Yeah after all we've experienced in the last two years. Um, it just, it was so special. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't, I don't know. This, this whole experience has been really enlightening to me. Um, but so the Brahms. It was really, you know, this whole thing that we did, th- it was an experiment um, in community engagement. And not only did we find a brand new community, but we found a need that we were able to fill and, and provide. Well, so the thing that I found fascinating was not just the audience's need, because that was, that was clear to me, you know, a space where, a space where uh, people could come and listen to beautiful music and just, you know, 
be sad or feel grief or angry or whatever they felt about the last few years together in a space, you know, the music is so inviting to allow you to go through your emotions. Um, but where the musicians really felt the same sense of care and, and invitation to really be themselves and feel those feelings. Um, that to me was something I've, I feel really proud of. Um, I think that again, choosing Christopher as our, uh, or, and I should say Northeastern Illinois university as our partner for this project, as our collaborator for this project really gave us that opportunity because with Christopher at the helm, we really were able to invite the musicians to express themselves both as musicians and as people. Um, the choristers felt like a sense of community at the rehearsals and really, really pushed themselves to learn the music and work hard. I mean, it was so cool to have these community members. Okay. So <laughs> I should backtrack a little bit. Um, once Christopher and I, and you, Emily talked about doing the Brahms, I started looking out in my network, looking for, uh, choirs that we could involve because, you know, um, it, it's huge. enrollment and <laughs> yeah, enrollment in, in, um, in all music schools across the country has been down. Um, and, uh, we wanted to involve members of the community because that's the best way to, you know, flush out the sound and, Flesh out the sound, flesh out, flesh out. I always mess that up. <laughs> it makes sense to me. I'm with you. We we reached out to Windy City Sings. Uh, his their director is William Sutherland. Um, he and I became acquainted out of all places uh, market days this summer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, market days for those of our listeners who don't know is a really big gay celebration in Chicago. It's kind of like our answer to Pride. Um, on a more local level. Um, it's huge though. And people come from all over the Midwest to be there. So, you know, take that or leave it as, as you will. Um, but uh, we met and uh, started chatting and then we met up for drinks and I, I said, Hey, we have this big Brahms project. Um, do you think any of your singers would be interested? And he was like, Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and then the same thing, uh, I have a friend who sings with uh, the Allegretta singers, um, which is also a, a gay chorus here in Chicago. And uh, their director, um, Stephen, he and I met up for coffee one day and I asked him and he said, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. What an opportunity, you know. Um, and their singers felt that, you know, they felt like they were getting the chance to sing a big work, you know, and who has done a big work in the last two years? <laughs> Nobody. Just felt, you can't. Yeah. Like, right. Right. Um, so in order to follow COVID protocol, we, um, you know, we use a reduction. We used a chamber orchestra version um, and only had about 35 to 40 singers in the choir at any time. Yeah. Um, but it worked really well because again, Christopher Owen has the best ears in the industry. He like got the balance so perfect. Um, I was listening to some of the recordings and 
man, it just sounds glorious in the space. Sounds so good. So, That's um, cavernous too. I know. There's so it was so incredible. Um, uh, man, quick shout out to Greg Tufts too, who was yes. our assistant conductor. He really spent the time that we needed that week in the space, making sure that the balance was correct as well. Like it was harder to hear right up in front. Um, and so, so Christopher and Greg worked as a team to really get everything perfectly balanced and man, they did. It was so gorgeous. From the minute you guys opened your mouth, <laughs> I was up in the choir loft cause I wanted to run up and down the stairs quietly. I just yeah. started bawling. <laughs> it was it was so beautiful and it was seamless. It was absolutely seamless from beginning to end. I don't think anybody moved the entire time in the audience. Like you could have dropped a pin the whole performance. So crazy. Captivating, really, truly, truly beautiful. It's really a testament to the ability of, and the, the community of artists that we have in this city, you know? Yeah. And you know, it was almost like, it was a love letter to the community and it, it was a love letter that was answered in kind. We had almost 150 people show up. It was yeah. very well attended. It was really, really felt supported. And afterwards, everybody stayed for what, an hour afterwards at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say a big thank you to Stuart Thompson Yes, Queen of the Apostles or Queen of Angels at Queen of the Apostles Church. <laughs> Sorry, the Catholic Church is is combining a lot of parishes right now, and so they are combined. But um, Stuart really was an incredible partner as well for this event. Um, he made sure we had everything we needed. He like stayed behind and helped us set up and helped us break down and our our. Board members really helped us out too, donating more beer and wine and just being around and talking to people and, and making sure everyone was having a good time. I I am so honored that we got to do this and I feel so blessed that our community supports us so much. It's amazing. Yeah. That was my favorite part of the evening was seeing board members come to the event, not only early, but eagerly and excited. And they brought other guests and they brought extra things to that. Like they were there, they were in it to win it. Our board is awesome. When yeah. was the last time you went to an event and a board member was over the moon excited to be there? Like that doesn't even happen yeah. at the Met. <laughs> like it's just nuts. So that to me was, that to me was the perfect melding of our mission and personal fulfillment. When yeah. we have people who are involved in the company in ways that aren't traditional or that are traditional and across the board, everyone is the same level of excitement and engagement. Yes. I mean, that's yes. the whole point of doing what we're doing. Yes, exactly. But so, um, what was I going to say? Oh, should we talk about my tooth? <laughs> no. Okay. So this was what, this was the biggest uh, yes, you should absolutely tell everybody that because I'm still like blown away that you even did that. You're like some sort of goddess being able to do this. <laughs> okay, so 
on a personal note, like we might have to take this out of the episode, but we'll see. Um, so <laughs> on Tuesday, was it Tuesday night? Yeah. On, no, it was Wednesday night. Wednesday night at rehearsal, my, my, I was having a terrible headache. My tooth was aching and I was like, what is going on? And I thought, okay, well, I just have to get through this week and then I can go to the dentist and like figure it out. But Thursday night at the dress rehearsal, like even while I was singing (laughs) the solo, I thought I was going to vomit. I was in so much pain. (laughs) I was in so much pain. So, um, so I made an appointment. I I reached out to Emily. I was like, Hey, Emily, uh, what should I do? And she was like, Oh, go see Dr. Dave. Shout out to Dr. Dave. Hey, Dr. Dave. (laughs) So I made an appointment with him for Friday morning and he was like, he was like, oh, we have to do an emergency extraction of your tooth. Emergency (laughs) extraction, the day of the concert. (laughs) So I, so I made an appointment with the surgeon in the afternoon um, and he was like, well, you do need to have this tooth extracted today. I was like, okay. And then he goes. Um, if we can do a local anesthesia, no problem. You sh- you'll probably be okay to sing at the concert. If I have to put you under, there's no way you're going to make it to the concert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, I haven't been able to find an understudy for my solo. So. What, this um, was the year everybody was booked. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, if you're a soprano and listening to this and you were like, you should have totally asked me, shoot me a message. Like, I would love to know who you are. <laughs> we were like a Rolodex of sopranos. I know. I went through so many sopranos. It's fine. Okay, so <laughs> so I um, I even thought about, like, asking Sarah if she could fly in. <laughs> Just at the last minute. <laughs> the last minute, yeah. Um, so I, so I, um, I went for the the extraction. We did the local anesthesia and everything was fine. And so, so yeah. Two I mean, aside hours from, later. Two hours later, I was, uh, you know, putting on my dress and warming up. So it was fine. That's was the most fun. damn metal thing I've ever heard. I love, I, I love <laughs> this story. I go to Christopher. I was like, well, my face may be swollen, but other than that, everything seems to be fine. <laughs> The voice is great. Yeah. The voice is fine. The it voice was is beautiful. Fine. It was beautiful. But I didn't know that. I, I guess someone someone said something to someone and like everyone all of a sudden knew and they were all like, are you okay? Are you? And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, please, let's not talk about this. I don't want to think about it right now. I'm just going to get through this. So, Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. The things that we do, right? I know. Well, the good news is the next event coming up, you won't have to, we won't have to find a soloist or an undertaker. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, we do have a tequila tasting coming up. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, we M? do. So we were speaking with everyone at the Brahms and they were telling us how much they were enjoying the community building that we are having. And they said, you know, we really like the fact that <laughs> you guys always have uh, refreshments 
at the uh, end of everything that you do. And I said, well, that's so interesting. Booze. Yeah, booze. Like the you booze. guys booze. Like, <laughs> the city of Chicago is all about booze, guys. Like, we drink more bourbon in this city than the entire state of Kentucky. <laughs> My cousin, the liquor store rep, and he was like, you guys are nuts. I've never seen anybody consume booze like Chicago does. So, yeah, if you're going to, you know, popcorn, candy, nuts, and then beer. Absolutely. Wine. Yes. <laughs> Obviously bourbon. What are we thinking? So we decided that the next event we wanted to do was definitely going to be more community themed, uh, less performance gear, <sighs> and maybe just like a get together. So one of our favorite places to be and just hang is Rogers Park Social in uh, Rogers Park. For those of you who don't know this area, it's in the arts district of Rogers Park. It is the most friendly, engaging uh, cocktail lounge. Dogs are welcome. They have this gorgeous outside seated area that over COVID just, oh my gosh, it looks like this little secret garden lounge now. They've just done so much with it. But it's a favorite for locals and for, you know, artists and artisans to kind of come together and talk about what they're doing. And there's always dogs and music and it's a ton of fun. So one of our board members reached out um, beforehand to the owner, Wally, who is wonderful. And he agreed to have a tequila and mezcal tasting in January. So right after the start of the new year on January 20th, we're going to have from 7 to 10 o'clock, we are exclusively getting the bar. So there are 30 seats at the bar to be up in front if you want to be teacher's pet and sit at the front of the class. If you'd like to be up and kind of wandering around, sit on some of the fun, funky seating that they've got. There's this awesome seating area that looks like a 1970s uh, living room somebody picked up and put in there. It's just gorgeous vintage. So if you want to sit there, we have seating there. Um, but Wally himself is going to be leading the class. It's going to be six different tasters of both mezcal and tequila. Um, super artisan, super delicious. We're really excited about this. Um and the money that we're raising is going to directly go into our February concert series, which is going to be super exciting. Yeah. So come and shoot some tequila with us to toast to the start of a new year. Yay. And you can get tickets on our website at www.korproductions.org. Yes. And get grab them quick because they are going to sell out. We only have like, I think, 60, 67 seats total. And some of them are gone already. Um, we got to check this number. Remind me to do that after this. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> so that, well, yeah, yeah, talk about February. Okay, yeah. So the, the money that we re- raised at the Tequila Tasting will go towards a concert featuring Aaron Mall, our yeah. social media <laughs> director. Yes. Erin um, is a fantastic mezzo. She is just spectacular and she's up and coming. So, you know, this is a really big opportunity for our audience to get to see her before, you know, she becomes too famous and we can't afford tickets. Nobody can grab a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Erin is, you know, like us, she's super like mind, minded about community and about building an audience that, um, that, you know, is, is beyond the traditional opera audience. Um, and so she's going to do a, a concert that features uh, French songs, cabaret, musical theater, and opera. So all French um, for 
Valentine's Day. So our first concert will be on February 11th and our second will be on the 14th. Our time is to be decided. So we'll have that information up on our website as soon as we have it. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm really excited about this concert because Erin is also a Michelin star bartender, which is yeah. such a weird thing to say, but it's true. So she has won a, a contest for her mixing skills and um, she has had many partnerships with different, uh, different distilleries. Um, and so this time she's creating four cocktails that have to do with the ideas behind the, the French music. And so I'm really excited to see what she comes up with because again, she has a brilliant palette. She is a brilliant singer. It's going to be really fun. Um, and definitely worth your time. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Yeah. So we'll have um, both hopefully uh, an option where you can watch uh, online and create your own cocktail at home. So there'll be, um, there'll be ways to do that. And we'll have more information about that uh, as the weeks come along. So, Check the website, excited. join mm -hmm. the mailing list to be on. Yes. That, that's going to, that'll come out and those tickets will sell like hotcakes. Heck yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. She's so good. Um, so good. Yeah. I know. Um, and then we also have something in January, which we didn't talk about, which is which the is. next, which is the next TKM play reading. Yeah. Um, that's going to be on January 23rd. So I think we decided 5 p.m. EST, 4 p.m. CST, 2 p.m. PST. So, <laughs> um, so uh, Christopher Kidder Mostrom is a playwright that we've been working with all year to read his plays. Um, and he has recently written five more short story or short plays. I almost said short stories, <laughs> short plays. Um, and, uh, we're going to read them on the 23rd. I'm super excited. Uh, I really love our little like play reading group. They're so cool. They're cool. <laughs> and the fact that they're also like enthusiastic about it, they're totally willing to get in the costume, totally willing to, you know, do whatever they need to do to make it work. I love yeah. it. It's just so much fun. Yeah. And that's on our YouTube channel. So if you haven't watched any of those and you want to know more about it, feel free to like check out. So it's Core Productions, K-O-R, Core Productions. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the last thing I want to talk about um, for our podcast is our podcast. Cause that was <gasps> a big part of something that we, you know, sort of experimented with this so far this season. And I, I'm just, I am just like in awe of all the things that we've done. <laughs> Once you focus and like you really sit down and put pen to paper it's so much more than we thought we could do. I know. I know. We're just two people. I mean, we have the support of a wonderful board and now our social media director, which is wonderful. And let's not forget all the artists that we've worked with, you know, on all of our projects so far to date. But yeah. I, and, yeah, but, we I do mean, a lot to, of things. Yeah, you have to remember, <laughs> you're running a full-time studio and you're working. I'm working a full-time job. Like... And yeah. we're also doing projects on our own too. So it's just, it's yeah. craziness. It is. I know I have a, I have like a storytelling gig in January that I have to prep for. And 
we're working on stuff that we're going to build into next season. It's not like, you know, one, one thing, and then we're just chilling out. <laughs> so this is amazing. I mean, I definitely have to give some thanks to our friend Elijah Almost for definitely. doing, I know, for doing all of this work for us. Um, but yeah, what a crazy, crazy thing. Um, so I just wanted to go back through and, and talk a little bit about how cool it was to get to interview Olivia Lilly oh. and Felix Gerard and Jue. Like, what incredible people and what incredible um, insights they had into their into their art, into their production, and into um, composition. And I just I feel so lucky <laughs> that we got to to talk to them. Um, and to Kevin, oh my gosh! <laughs> well, like I, the thing about the podcast and and in the, the Brahms, they're all rolled into the same kind of impetus or or movement, which is you really have this idea, Joe, that like you want to start like this organic conversation with your audiences, and mm. you're you can see that directly happening between the podcasts and what we're talking about here and then the actuality of the scheduling of the seasons and the artists that you're bringing in mm -hmm. you're very intentional with the projects that you choose and the direction that you're moving forward so like it, yeah we've been very lucky but you yourself have put in a lot of work too girl don't don't downplay yourself <laughs> you've been killing it that wasn't my intention but oh, I, I mean i'm just impressed and grateful you know yeah I was thinking about the the conversation we had with Kevin you know um I could have listened to him talk all day about right life. now it, it, right drunk and it's sober right <laughs> he's just um brilliant <laughs> well the way he sees things and the way he describes them is so different than the way I physically see them I'm like, I hmm. I almost want to put on Kevin colored glasses and look at things. Like the way he was <laughs> describing how you build a shot and how you mess with light. Like I would never <sighs> think of light like a like paint or like a hmm. layering substance. But mm -hmm. that's almost the way he described it. It was just he's his brain is just fascinating to me. Yeah, me too. And Jewish brain get is him back. Oh no. <laughs> I know. Oh. If only everyone thought I was a goddess, you know. <laughs> right. Um. So, I I see in the future for Seven City coming up, uh, looking at more interviews with the people behind the scenes because I find artists fascinating, but I find the artists who build things even more fascinating. Yes. Um. And so I'm hoping that we can pull interviews with philanthropists, with writers, with producers. Um, and I hope that it's from all genres, from, you know, the stage to film to television shows, music, like, you know, all of these different backgrounds and, and focuses, because I think that that is really a way to learn this is like <laughs> yeah and we all had to learn that, yeah. 
so fast during COVID. Like Mm -hmm. uh, it was learn the technology and keep up or be left behind. So Mm. this is a way to almost kind of slow down and do intentional learning, you know? That felt like survival learning. We were all bailing to stay (laughs) afloat. Yes, agreed. I love picking apart someone's mind and learning their process and and how they did the thing they did and what they were thinking when they saw it like that. When we worked, talked with Olivia Lilly about her pop-up experiences. That was so cool. Girl, her brain is like a Willy Wonka factory that I want to like take every ride through. It's just unbelievable. The way you can envision a space and see the final product is just really something else. It's it's vision. It's a visionary way of of looking at things, really and truly. Well, yeah. And speaking of visionaries, Felix is popping off right now. Like he is just, I mean, as he should be, his, his compositions are incredible and he is a wonderful human being, such an advocate for, for artists and for artists rights and for making such beautiful music and, and, you know, making sure that people feel comfortable and seen in the rehearsal room and on stage. It's yeah. My favorite thing about him was uh, he just got written up again in Opera News about this again. Good. um, For using his social media in a way that they've never seen. But, you know, he doesn't advertise. He he doesn't have a professional page that's separate than his actual page. Right. He is who he is and he does what he does. And then he just tells people about it. And because he is so passionate and exciting about his own work and about the work of others, that translates – so that was right. they did this whole article about how this was this transformative way of talking to people because now people want to see new opera if Felix is doing it and telling them what it's about. Who doesn't want to see the fall of the House of Usher on stage? How cool would that be? I want to see that so badly. I mean, I I want to produce that so badly. You know. Right. So, um, so speaking of creating things. M, have you done anything important this year that you want to talk about in the last few months? I got married (laughs) again, again to the same man. Other again. Um. So because of COVID, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, we had plans to get married in 2020. We had a very long, lengthy engagement. It was like three and a half, four years. And during that time, I did the thing that every bride does where you lose your your fucking mind. Um, <laughs> lose your shit. Um, weird things become important for weird reasons. Like I handmade all of our flowers out of paper from the music um, that Vince and I met singing in. So like I copied the production and I made the paper flowers. And that sounds normal until you think about the fact that this was during COVID so like the little matchstick girl, I'm like obsessively making flowers in the corner that no one's going to see like some sort of like paper crane project. That's just really bizarre. So you are not the only one. Oh, no, I know. I know. The but, internet is full of DIY bride stuff right now. It's so, it's so, that is so relatable. Um, <laughs> for Andy Donna. So I, I finally, we were able to have the big big ceremony that we'd always intended to have this past September. And it was absolutely perfect. 
It truly could not have gone any better. Um, I loved it. And the best part was I don't ever have to be a bride again, which is Yay. amazing. It's sad and it it's amazing at the same time. So from okay. this crazy experience, um, I, I wrote a cabaret. <laughs> well, I'm writing a cabaret. But I, I looked at my wedding dress the night of and it was trashed. I don't know if you've ever gotten married but um, or looked at a <laughs> wedding dress after someone's gotten married. The minute you put it on, it it's just destroyed, right? It's all your wrinkles, all the the white turns dirty. You can't get shit out. This was worse because um, all through COVID, I fought with my tailor over this particular dress. She wanted to change it, um, and I I wouldn't let her change it. It has a very very long train that was made of thirty to thirty two individual pieces of horsehair lined silk chiffon and tulle. So hey, she. Lord hated it because in order to fix it she had to take the whole thing apart and put it back together again <laughs> which i thought was a great metaphor for the fucking experience in general so <laughs> <laughs> so i will be uh wearing my wedding dress when i am performing every time i perform this show um oh my gosh so i'm gonna do it as a cabaret at first and then i'm going to expand it into a larger show and we're actually going to go off stage uh, or on stage probably behind a large screen and i'll just change while i'm shouting at the audience about losing my shit and having yet another <laughs> venue closed down on me and having yet another <laughs> guest tell me they can come and um but that's going to go up on march 25th at davenport's piano bar here in chicago Awesome. We have the wonderful Matthew Peckham coming. He's going to be recording it for us. So I'll probably be streaming it uh, via Sparrow Live at a different date. I will let you know. You can follow me on uh, Facebook at Emily Cox, comma, Soprano. And I'll let you know all the info as it develops. Awesome. Thank you. I'm yeah. excited about that. <laughs> well, it's going to be funny as shit, if nothing else. I mean, Half my skirt got stepped on and panels got ripped out of it. So I'm just going to wrap it around my shoulders and walk on stage. I figure you yeah. paid so much for the damn dress. Why am I wearing it once? I'm wearing this every day the rest of my life. I'm going to vacuum the house in it. I'm going <laughs> to dust it. Gonna... <laughs> the UPS guy will show up. I'll be in a veil. It'll be great. He'll love it. <laughs> I love that. Um, I hope that's what really happened. <laughs> oh, no, it is. It is. I'm, I'm, I, you st I couldn't get that thing stuffed in a bag. I'm not going to get it cleaned and then preserve it. What, no. People preserve their wedding gowns. I'm like, what are you preserving it for? The fourth coming of Christ? What What are you doing with this? What do you do now? <laughs> you put it in the back of your closet and you never <clears throat> look at it. No, wear it. It's a dress. It's made to be worn. <laughs> that's right. Right? <laughs> What about you, Joe? Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe we could ask each other the questions that I usually ask. But we don't have a lot of time left, so let's see. So, um, in the last six months, what is the project you're most proud of? Oh, in the last six months, the project I'm most proud of is the Brahms. Most definitely. Oh yeah, me too, a hundred percent. I didn't, I didn't know how much I needed that evening until Christopher lifted the stick and brought it down, and you guys started to sing. It, it literally felt like something had um, been locked up in me that was finally loosened a little. 
You know, mm. with COVID, it's it, it's very difficult for me. I'm an anxious person anyway. It's very difficult for me to be in crowds and not be anxious. When the yeah. air is lava, I'm definitely not going to be in crowds around people. No. I, I just can't handle it. So this was my first large musical experience in two years. Yeah, me too. So I I really, I was so proud of that. I didn't know how much I needed it until we got to the end of the fifth movement, and I just started crying and I and I didn't stop until we were done like it just it was so cathartic it was so um it was such a beautiful moment I think what really hit home for me and I might start crying now which is when I you know I was in the choir singing and then I stepped out to sing a solo and I it was my first chance really looking at the audience and like seeing everyone's eyes yeah. back at me, it was it was such a a thrilling moment and such a um, I can't I can't use any word but joy to describe how I felt because we've been uh, apart from our audiences for so long and we've been so isolated to be able to share such a big feeling and such a big way it's it's so it's so incredible you know everyone calls it a gift oh you have such a gift and we all hear that so much we're like yeah 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 okay thanks yeah whatever um you forget it is it is a gift it is i don't know about you but when i solo it's like i want to give this moment to you Mm. Um, the way that I would give someone a bunch of cookies. Like I made this for you and I want to give this to you because I think you'll like it. And it's yes. the same thing when I step up to sing. So like it, it's so beautiful to see that mirrored back at you. It's a very Absolutely. rare thing. Like, Absolutely. To have it reflected and refracted and, and be able to feel and see it in the moment. Yeah, that was, I was. What about you? What was the project you were most proud of? Oh, hundred percent, the Brahms, hundred um, percent. I've been working a lot on my singing in the last year, and I feel like that's the best I've ever sung. And I'm so, like, personally proud of myself, but also proud of the project that we put together because I think that, like, I think it was what. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but it's definitely what I needed, you know, oh, and yeah. I feel really proud of that. So what are you most looking forward to? I am most looking forward to, I think, apples and arrows. Um, oh, my gosh. Yes, me too. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, apples and arrows is a project that we'll tell you guys more about next year. It's a Christopher Kidder and Morstrom um, uh, original work, and we are developing it from the ground up. So it will come back several times in several different stages. Um, it will always be different. So I, we will always encourage you to see it as you can, as it kind of grows, like a like a puppy kind of develops over the months. See it now because it'll change soon. Um, <laughs> and it's really, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of new work out, development out there um, and people are not sure how to do this. They, I, I, it's very mysterious. People go, and now there is a new work and there it's done. And being able to see something in stages like that, I think it's not only going to be very enlightening and educational to everybody, I think it's going to help them to see 
like you know mm. step one underpants step three profit no there's stuff in between too but also <laughs> it's so goddamn inspiring to go see new works because you can see what's working and what doesn't and sometimes it jiggles stuff loose in your own mind and solves your own problems without you realizing it. You will go and you will see something that will inspire you or make you go, God, I really hated the way they did that. Or, <laughs> you know, that was cool, but they could have done it this way. Or what if, or I never thought of it like that. And it will somehow months later manifest itself in ways that you you never could predict. So I love going to see new works and I love yeah. making new works. There truly is magic in the room when that happens. Yeah, I feel like that project is also what I'm most looking forward to, although I am really looking forward to the cocktails that Aaron's going to create. Oh God, those are <laughs> going to be, oh my God. Oh my God. Um, I, <clears throat> I feel like Christopher's play is already so interesting. Chris's play is already so interesting that when we finally get to start adding music to it and, and the, you know, all the development that we're doing, it's going to be incredible. And I'm to start from a place that already feels really good is really exciting to me. Yeah. So I'm excited about that project. Okay. Next question. What's something someone would be surprised to learn about you? Oh, you have to go first. I have to think about this. Um, let's see. Oh, something maybe a surprise to learn about me. Oh my gosh, I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. Like, just like crazy about it. I could watch TNG like all day, every day. <laughs> I had no idea. I am a huge Star Trek nerd. <laughs> Oh my oh, god. Yay. Are you serious? We have all the yes. original series at home on DVD. My little brother was raised <laughs> on them. Oh, that's so cute. Um I do love your little brother. He's sweet. I would say something that someone doesn't know about me. I am Okay, so I worked for a long time in restaurants and I'm fascinated by chefs. So everybody thinks Ooh. that I was going to be a chef, but when I was a little kid, everybody goes, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And some people be like, "I want to be a fireman." I said, I want to be an college-level Shakespeare professor. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to sit in a classroom and pick apart the sonnets and talk with everybody. I was really into poetry when I was a kid, and I wrote a lot of poetry constantly. Um, mm. And it was all terrible. <laughs> you know, I wrote a lot of poetry, too, and it was also terrible. I feel like we should have a sharing night with some wine sometime. we should do a show based on the awful poems <laughs> oh no 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 those are never going to see light no, no, no. <laughs> um okay so uh what what uh what aren't you good at i am not good at baking and i am not good at patience and the two <laughs> are definitely linked i am not good at math i i understand it like conceptually and i love the formulas and stuff but I always fuck it up. Yep. Always, always, always. I'm with you. <laughs> but I also have dyscalculia, so that's kind of fair. <laughs> what is dyscalculia? What a cool name. It's it's when you have uh, dyslexia for numbers. That is so cool. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Uh, fun. Fun is the wrong word. It was really cool to get to work with Christopher Owen because he also has dyscalculia. And so he would read the wrong 
um, measure numbers sometimes. And, and people would be like, oh, do you mean this? And he'd be like, oh, yeah, thanks. And I was like, oh, that's the way to deal with this. It's just to always be like, oh, yeah. Hang on a second. You stop that right now. No. Sorry. No, you're wrong. <laughs> Keep going. You just said this is the way you always deal with this. Yeah. I, I just thought that, you know, this is the way that you deal with this when you're in a professional situation, like, oh, this is my disability, here it is. And we all accept it and deal with it and move on. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Right? <laughs> like, you know, instead of feeling embarrassed or, or um, anything, everyone just kind of was like, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. And we just kept going. And, then and I was like, oh. Moved on. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, okay. Last question. Okay. How are you changing the world? Oh, um, well, I have recently vowed that I will never again attempt to make fudge because I destroyed (laughs) three pans in a row, literally had to throw them away. So I will no longer impose my fudge on the world. And two days ago, we adopted a baby corgi. So oh, I am yeah. currently dog momming it. So I am I am a dog mom. I am 100% making the world a better place. Oh my God. Okay. I said that and I, I wish you could have visuals because my other corgi just sat straight up and he is not, he's 13. So she's a lot for him. I said, I'm changing the world. He looked up and his lip curled like, you are so full of shit. <laughs> That's hilarious. How are you changing the world, babe? Oh my gosh. I'm just going to continue to try to foster a sense of community for the rest of my life. Oh, I love that. That was a good answer. Elijah, erase my answer. I want her answer. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining me today, Em, and talking with me about the the things that we've done this season so far and the direction we're moving in. I really appreciate your time. Oh, anytime, anywhere, hun. I have a great time when I'm with you. Always, always. Always, always. Thank you for listening to the Seven City Podcast. The Seven City Podcast is produced and edited by Elijah Lee and Big Orange Dot Design. Thank you to our listeners, and please join us for our tequila tasting in January. Look at our website to get a ticket, www.korproductions.org.